0: Welcome to Hope Found. This is a podcast about doing life with God. I found hope in the one and only true God through my salvation in Jesus, and I want to share my journey with God via the scriptures and personal interactions. Many of the podcasts will have a study of scriptures, and others will contain interviews with other people and their stories finding hope in God. Hi, and welcome to Hope Found. My name is Hope, and this is my husband, John. He's going to be joining uh, for pretty much every podcast that we put out.
1: So, Hope, what uh, what prompted you to do this podcast? And, you know, with this being the first episode, I think maybe people want to know a little bit about who you are and, and why we're here.
0: All right. Well, um, I would say that when my grandmother and my parents chose to name me Hope, it was um, really God-given. Um, as I've grown in God and matured, I really, my goal is to bring people hope. I, as ironic as that seems or as cheesy as that sounds, um, I, I love to bring people hope. And so um, as God is showing me different things and growing me, um, I like to share those things with other people. Um, because I believe that if it can grow good stuff in me, it can grow good stuff in them. And ultimately, He is our hope. And as we get to know Him better and the different things that I'm learning in Him, and I get to share them, I can bring other people that same hope. Awesome. So today, I would like to talk about uh, and go through Psalms 27. First, I would like to just read through it. And I will be reading from the New King James. And maybe referencing a few other uh, translations just to um, get a little bit different take on some of the verses. So I'm just going to read through it and then we'll start breaking it down. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that I will seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me. O God of my Savior, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Teach me your way, O Lord. And lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen against me and such as breathe out violence. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart wait, I say, on the Lord. So we're going to go all the way back to verse one. Again, this is Psalm 27. This is a Psalm that David wrote. And in the first verse and second, it says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So the first couple of things that we need to look at here is the Lord is light. He is light. We find that many times in the Bible. And he is salvation and he is strength. So that is just something that we need to reflect on, that he doesn't just provide light and salvation and strength to us. He actually is light and salvation and strength. The other thing is, um, how does he become my light, my salvation, and my strength? Well, the key is in the word Lord. If we choose to make somebody our Lord, that means that we are choosing to submit ourselves, everything that we are, everything that we have, to the Lord and making him Lord of our lives. This is surrendering. It's surrendering everything. Not just the ugly stuff for him to make it better, but it's everything. It's, it's allowing him to be lord of our lives, to be able to tell us what to do in any situation and with everything. Can I be a wife and a mom? Sure, I can do that in my own strength. But Many times we fail on our own. Many times, you know, we could, we could probably, you know, fake it till we make it, sort of. But if we try to do many things in our own strength, it won't turn out nearly as good as if we decide to submit it to God and make him our Lord. If we make him our Lord in my relationship with my husband and our marriage and, and being a mother and anything that I do, it's going to be so much better for everyone, if we choose to do that. So once we've surrendered and decided to make him our Lord, he is our light. He is light, and then he becomes my light. So when Jesus is our light, he definitely shows us our path. He lights up the way in front of us. He leads us and shows us the way to go. Another way that he is light is that he reveals things to us. In his word, uh, when we take time to spend time with him and in prayer, he reveals things to us. Many times it's revelation of his word, which is showing us a deeper meaning, how the Holy Spirit shows us and reveals things to us. Um, Another thing is when he reveals things that don't belong in our lives, which those aren't nearly as much fun as when he You know, shows us revelation of his word. But it's very, very important and very significant that he is our light in this way. He shows us things that don't belong in our lives. And if we are truly allowing him to be our Lord, we choose to submit those things to him and to let go of them because they have no place to be in our lives. So the Lord is my light. He reveals the things that don't belong. He brings me. Deeper meaning and how things can be applied in my life that are from His Word and, and the Word that He gives me when He speaks to me in prayer. And He is my salvation. So He is my salvation, absolutely, because Jesus died on the cross for all. So He's our salvation. He is the one and only way to get to heaven. But most of the time, that's where people stop. They don't realize that there's so much more to him being our salvation. Yes, he has purchased that for us, and if we choose to make him Lord and we submit our lives to him and live for him, we will spend eternity with him. But he also saves us from ourselves sometimes. For instance, the things that he shows us that don't belong in our lives if we choose to submit those things to him and to let go of those things and to take the actions that we need to, then he saves us from ourselves, essentially. He saves us on a daily basis from the way that we could be going if we choose to do things in our own strength. And he saves us many times, too, um, maybe even physically. Sometimes we recognize it when we just miss that accident. Um, sometimes we don't even realize it's kind of like when you know you watch those movies that you know you have the uh, the black ops people and they go and like save the world but no one really knows it they're the only ones because they're the ones that you know have got the job done and did the dirty work and nobody else knows the better because they didn't even know the danger they were in. I think a lot of times God saves us in that way too in pretty much every way. He saves us. So the next part is that he is my strength. And he does bring me strength in so many different ways. Mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, he is my strength. He's the strength of my life. He's the only way that I can move forward because he is my strength. So let's move on to verse two. When the wicked came against me to eat my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. So that's verses two and three. So what is it that I'm confident in? We're talking about the enemies coming against us. I'm confident in the fact that he is my light and my salvation and my strength. So let's talk about our enemies. We definitely have a true enemy. Sometimes people call him Satan, sometimes he's Lucifer, sometimes we talk about him just being the enemy. And he is real and he really does exist. And like Jesus tells us in John 10:10, 10, 10, he refers to him as the thief, which is very appropriate. He comes to steal, kill and destroy. That is what the enemy's goals are in our life. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But later on in that verse, Jesus says, he has come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. So we do have a true enemy, that is for sure. But sometimes we do his job for him. Let me explain. So, Going back to making the Lord our light and how he reveals things that don't belong in us. Many times, you know, that person who's pretty close to me and how they said that thing and, man, that really hurt. I have unforgiveness towards them. Or possibly somebody else who I'm pretty close to. You know, I was sharing something I was so excited about. And they said something against it, and it really offended me. Or that one time when I got cut off in traffic, or whatever it is that makes you really angry, I had a lot of anger. Having this unforgiveness, this offense, this anger, these are things that don't belong, but many times we hang on to them, you know, because I have every right to be offended. That person really said something against me. And I have every right to be offended. And that person who hurt me really bad when they said what they said. And I don't want to forgive them because you know what? They don't deserve it. So I have unforgiveness. And we can get anger from any variety of different places. So many times we feel like we have the right to have these things. But... The Lord is my light, and he wants to show us that these things do not belong. There's multiple reasons why they don't belong. They tend to fester and become worse and bigger and have a better, bigger grip on us, and ultimately, it prevents us from experiencing his full love. It also prevents him from being our full salvation, If we continue to let these things linger and we don't let them go, eventually we're not making him Lord of our lives. We're not submitting them to him, whether we feel like we have a right to hold on to them or not. So it's really important that when he shows those things to us, when he is our light and he longs to be our salvation, to deliver us from them, No matter how much right we feel that that is a part of who we are and we have every right to feel that way and to have those things, we need to let them go. We need to allow him to be our savior in those moments and to deliver us from those things. Because I will tell you, just like the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy, if you let those things stay, they will kill, steal, and destroy from you. I promise and that is why he wants to remove them from our lives. But we can, he can only do that if we allow him to and if we let them go and we choose to forgive. So those things are our enemies, along with our one true enemy, Satan. If we allow those things to linger, they are enemies of our lives. So I encourage you, anytime we read through this or any part of the Psalms that ever refer to the enemy, think about that think about possibly it's the things that we're holding on to that are enemies to our lives and to our spirit. So I want to read through that one more time. Verses two and three. When the wicked came against me to eat my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. So they stumbled and fell because I chose to let those things go. I chose to submit myself to God when he showed those to me. So all those things that were up against me and in me that don't belong, they stumbled and they fell away. Verse 3, though an enemy may camp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. I am confident in him. And I shall not fear, just like in the very first verse where it says, whom shall I fear? Or whom shall I be afraid? I'm convinced. That so many of the things that we have in our lives that don't belong, the more and more that I think about it, the more that God shows me, the underlying common thread is fear. Maybe that's why approximately 365 times in the Bible it says fear not. Because fear, I really think, is the common thread underneath all of that. Why don't I want to forgive? Well, because then I'll be making myself vulnerable again. I might have to take down my walls and that person might hurt me again. And I'm afraid of that. I'm afraid of that person hurting me again. I don't want that to happen. I have to, I have to not let that happen. I don't, I don't want to be offended again. I'll tell you what, if you hold on to offense, there's one thing that Bill Johnson says, which I love. It just makes so much sense. When you have offense in your life, you hear things that are not said. If I have offense against my husband because of something that he said. And he comes home and and you know, I got ready for the night and we're going to go out and he says, "Wow, you look nice." He says, "Wow, you look nice." And what do I hear if I have the the offense in my life that doesn't belong? I hear well, you didn't look good yesterday. And that's a really dangerous place to be. That just seems like a small thing, but man, that wedge that that can create in our marriage, in our life, in our relationship, it's awful. I mean, just that one little thing. And that goes for almost anything, if you think about it. We hear things that are not said whenever we choose to stay in offense. So it's really important if we have that or any of the other things that God reveals to us to to let them go so that they don't steal, kill, and destroy us. So verse four, one thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. So here David's talking about dwelling in the house of the Lord. When we hear house of the Lord, we think church, we think uh, temple. They didn't really have a temple at this point that David would go to. They did have the tabernacle. And a good part of the time they had the Ark of the Covenant, which was uh, basically where God's presence rested. They didn't always have it, but, you know, that would be what he would be thinking about But I think more overall, what he's talking about, because if we're looking at the house of the Lord as church, you know, um, pretty much the only people who are really dwelling in it 100% of the time would be church staff. (laughs) Maybe not even 100% of the time, but um, it's, he's more talking about the presence of God. He's talking about dwelling in the presence of God all the time. The one thing that he desires of the Lord and he chooses to seek is that he would dwell in the presence of the Lord all the days of his life. And that is where we all need to be. We all need to be in God's presence all the time. It doesn't mean that we need to be in our prayer closet or at church or be singing all the time, Um, but it is a place that we need to spiritually be in contact with God. We need to kind of have our spiritual antennas up, being connected. Uh, Old school is, you know, you take the phone off the hook and you leave it open, you know, so it's just that connection. It's having that connection with God and choosing to be in his presence and to be aware of him around us all the time. This is how he is our light and our salvation and our strength. This is how we can live life not being afraid is by being in his presence. Now, are there times when when things happen and we become afraid absolutely, but if we're in his presence, having that melt away, happens so much quicker if this is a place where we choose to dwell and to abide is with him and having that constant growth in him and, in maintaining that it, it, it goes away so much faster. The later part of that vo- that verse says to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. I really like, um, the way that the Passion Translation says this verse. So I, I would like to go to that and to read um, Psalms 27, verse 4 in the Passion Translation. Here's the one thing I crave from Yahweh, the one thing I seek above all else. I want to live with him every moment in his house, beholding the marvelous beauty of Yahweh filled with awe, delighting in his glory and grace, I want to contemplate in his temple. So in the beginning of this verse, it talks about, or about the middle of it, I guess. It talks about uh, beholding the marvelous beauty. And the Hebrew word for beauty can actually be translated in multiple different ways. It talks about sweetness, pleasantness, friendliness, graciousness, goodness, loveliness, splendor, or delightfulness. There's a whole lot to unpack in there. We're not talking about just beauty, how beautiful he is, which is absolutely accurate but there's so many different attributes that are in that word, um, that we can meditate on, which I highly recommend, um, at any point to, at any point of the scriptures that seem to jump out at you to meditate on, um, not in the world's way of meditating, but to actually really just let it soak in and you just kind of think about it over and over and let God just show you truly what those uh, attributes and those things mean. Um, So, I mean, and and actually, later on in that verse, it says, I want to contemplate. And another word is inquire or meditate or to take pleasure in, to worship or seek. Um, So meditation is absolutely something that is crucial, actually. Uh, Maybe many times people don't see that or realize that when it comes to the word or God, But it is absolutely something that we were created to do is to meditate. So, verse five. For in the time of trouble, I shall hide in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. So, in the previous verse, we talked about how being in his presence. One more thing about that is being and dwelling in him, abiding in him. Um, in the Gospel of John in the New Testament, he talks a lot about abiding in him. There's something about being in him. Um, in our culture, we tend to think Jesus is in my heart. So we just think that he's in our heart, which is true. There's, it's absolute truth. Um, but when you read in the Bible, It definitely talks more about us being in him. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says, they are in me and I am in you, speaking to the Father, Father God. And so there's something different about that. If you really think about being in him, because it affects all of us. It's not just I give you my heart. It's give you everything, which again would circle back around to making him Lord and submitting everything to him. But in verse 5, I feel like it's going to a deeper place. So we live consistently in his presence. But in verse 5, it talks about in time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. I feel like it's a deeper place. It's a more, more secure place that he kind of pulls us into himself. Now, can this be a place of refuge whenever we just have such a hard time and we just kind of want to curl up in a ball and, and, and be with him? Absolutely. But I believe that this is a closer, deeper place that we are meant to live from also. In his secret place, he will hide me. I believe it's a place that we need to live from. We need to go deeper in him. We need to be in those secret places, being hidden in him. And the last part of that says, he shall set me high upon a rock. It's giving us the stability and the security that we need. We won't have any shifting sand underneath us or any unstable place. He gives us that rock to stand on. This is the security that we have in him. Verse 6 says, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. So I just have this picture. I have this picture of us being in his presence and how God just pulls us into him. And then when we face troubles, he pulls us even deeper and he just pulls us into him so that we feel even more of that security. And then I picture him reaching down with his hand and gently lifting our chin up because when he lifts our head up, Our eyes look to him. He is our source. And when we are in trouble, we many times, just like Peter did, we're looking at the waves and all the things around us. But when he so gently reaches down and lifts our chin, our eyes fall on him and fall on his face. And that is where we know that he's right there, that he's all around us. That we're in him. We are in the best place we could possibly be. And no matter what we go through, no matter what we face, he is my strength. Going on in verse uh, 6, it says, Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. So being in this difficult place, there's a reason why he says sacrifices. When we're in those hard places, it's we don't want to. We, we, we don't want to. We know that it's right to be thankful. We know that it's right to worship him, to be joyful, to sing to him, to praise him. We know in our heads that it's right, but everything in us is saying, I don't want to. This is horrible. I don't like this. So we might feel that security, but it is truly a sacrifice, and we need to use those hard moments and choose him and choose to sacrifice by worshiping him. Our worship is a true sacrifice then. When things are good, it's not a sacrifice. That just comes naturally because we're happy and things are good, and thank you, God, because you're good. But we need to thank him because he's good even when our situation is awful and we feel like we're in a really hard place. So we will offer sacrifices of joy in his presence, with his people, and when we're alone. And I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Verse 7. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy upon me and answer me. So these next couple of verses, I kind of feel like sometimes when I'm reading Psalms, I'm like, "Um, okay, David, are you bipolar? Because just a minute ago, you're like, yes, Jesus, I'm going to praise you. I'm in the best place ever. And then all of a sudden, it's like, uh, hear me, oh, Lord, when I cry with my voice, like he's not even there. Like, what's going on? I feel like it just is... Just crazy. I mean, I I really do think that sometimes I'm like David, were you bipolar? Um, but the more that I'm reading through it, it's for real. Sometimes when we are in those hard places, and even if we do choose to do those sacrifices of praise, we still have our feelings, right? We still might feel like, okay, God, I know you're here, and I'm worshiping you, and I know I'm in your presence. But please hear me. Hear me when I cry with my voice. Have mercy upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Verse 9. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. So the verses 7 through 9. We absolutely can be in those places where we feel that way. And when we feel that way, I want, I want us to turn it around a little bit. Let's make this, instead of being a cry out to him, let's make it a proclamation. Let's make it a proclamation by putting the word you in front of these when we read them. You are. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. You have mercy upon me and you answer me. When you say, when you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. You do not hide your face from me. You do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. You do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. And when I read it like that, I feel like it fits. It absolutely fits. While we can have those feelings, if we turn it around and we proclaim those things, that he hears our voice, that he does answer us, he will not leave us or forsake us. He says that in his scripture very specifically. I feel like it's very powerful. When we feel that way, let's just turn it around and put you in front of it to proclaim that that is who he is, because that totally lines up with his character that he shows us in his word. Verse 10, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. So then there we are again, we're proclaiming, Even though the closest people to us, the people who gave us birth, even when they might turn us away, the Lord will take care of you. I know some people maybe didn't have the best of relationships with their parents. Uh, Maybe one of them was completely absent. It's hard to see God the Father as a healthy, good father when you didn't have that as an example, But I promise you that if you put your trust in him, he will always take care of you. Always. If there is any one person that you can put your full trust in, it's God. And I encourage you to do that. Verse 11. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. It's really important that God teaches us his way. I mean, he does say that his way is way far from our ways. His thoughts are way high above our thoughts. So the more time that we spend with him, the more time that we spend in his presence, the more he will show us his way and the more that our thoughts, our uh, behavior will become more like him. So that's the way that he teaches us his way is when we spend that time in his presence on a daily basis and all the time. Verse 12, do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries. Again, let's turn that around. You do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me and such as breathed out violence. Again, this is God revealing to us how he saves us. Yes. Can people do have lies against you? Absolutely. But we need to not worry about it because he's going to take care of us. We just need to have confidence in him that he'll take care of it. We need to not be offended when people lie about us, when we might hear something and people are talking about us. Let's not have that fear of man that drives us to offense. When we hear something that's spoken against us that's not true, because we know who we are, we know who we are in him, and he will take care of us, and he will take care of the issue. We can trust him. Verse 13, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In the land of the living, that's right here, right now. We are in the land of the living. And David is expressing how he would have been discouraged unless he had believed that he would see the goodness of the Lord. We need to know that even though we go through hard times, he works all things together for good for those who love him. And we keep that relationship going with him. We keep spending that time with him and living in him all the time we know that we will see his goodness. We will see his goodness, and we can be encouraged by that. This is David expressing he knows he would have lost heart. He would have been incredibly discouraged unless he would have believed that he would see the goodness of the Lord now in his life. Verse 14 has so much in it. <laughs> it's definitely one for a uh, for another podcast, Waiting on the Lord. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. The one thing I do want to say about waiting on the Lord, the word wait here, sometimes we're to be still. Sometimes we're to not do anything when he says wait. Wait. But the word wait here is actually more of an active waiting, similar to a waiter or a waitress, which I know is not necessarily the proper term now, but I believe most people understand when I say that. They wait on you. Okay, what do you need? What do you want me to do? They are there serving. So, Waiting on the Lord is not just waiting and not doing anything and throwing my hands up in the air. It's it's obeying what God's telling us to do in the moment. It might not be taking action on getting ourselves out of that situation, but it's doing what he's saying and being obedient at that time. So waiting on the Lord. Be encouraged. It's him It's him. He is our strength. He is our light. He is our salvation. He is everything that we need, and he will strengthen our heart. So it's important that we wait, that we wait on the Lord. So I know I didn't give very much opportunity for John to say much of anything, but do you have any comments or thoughts on these verses or anything?
1: There was a lot there, (laughs) a whole lot. Um, You know, I think that uh, very much... Just listening through everything you're talking about, um, the thing I keep coming back to is is makes the the title of this podcast so relevant um, because in all of that, there's just you, you find so much hope, uh, right? You know, and I think that, um, you know, there's the reality of of the part we need to play and the things that we need to do uh, in order to be able to really find that hope, right? Um, but God's promises are true and Amen. he uh, he always comes through for us. So,
0: yes. Amen. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate yeah, that. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again for joining us. And I'm looking forward to many more of these as God just continues to reveal himself and allows me to be a voice for him. Um, so until next time, continue to find hope in the one and only true God.